From WEDU-PBS, this is Be More Unstoppable. Suncoast Animal League is a nonprofit, no kill, no time limit animal welfare agency that cares for domestics and wildlife in Florida and beyond. On this episode, we sit down with co founder and executive director Rick Shabbity and Carrie Burick, the rescue, adoptions, and outreach coordinator and medical foster. They'll discuss why they're so passionate about saving animals and some challenges they face along the way. We'll also hear some incredible rescue stories that will leave you feeling inspired. So the mom was on half of the litter, and there were three other puppies that were found outside of that pen in a box. And the only one that was burned out of those three was Clover. And I believe she was meant to be a first responder because she pushed through that gate, and it melted on her to get out. And the other two puppies were not injured, so she, she like, led the way. Let's start from the very basic. Rick, you are the co-founder of Suncoast mm-hmm, Animal League, right, correct? Right. Um, tell us about your mission. I was with another organization for 20-some years and left there, and then we started Suncoast Animal League. You know, starting a nonprofit organization is difficult in itself, and we were fortunate that Annette and I had a lot of experience. You know, there was just a niche. You know, certainly there's you know much larger shelters in the Pinellas County area and Tampa Bay area, but, you know, we, we thought there was a spot for us and things that we wanted to be able to do um, and sort of have the freedom to do without a lot of bureaucratic stuff, you know. So we started it, and I, th- I think when we opened our doors, we had $245 in the bank, mm. you know, um, and then we worked really hard at it, put in an awful lot of long hours, and here we are 15 years later, and we've done, in the, in the past 15 years, we've taken in over 20,000 animals. We've got a huge foster base, a huge volunteer base. You know, we started Facebook, and, and I'll never forget that, took us a year or so, and we hit that 10,000 like mark, and we thought that was something fantastic, and now we're at about 157,000, and people all over the world, actually, uh, and, and we've been able to to make a lot of miracles happen. Our goal was when, you know, obviously you get a, a lot of injured animals, you get a lot of sick animals, um, some abused animals. We wanted to make them the best they could they, that they could possibly be, and even though we a lot of times we didn't have any money, we still made that happen. And we've grown and grown and grown, and we, we, we continue to do that. I mean, everybody knows the Denali story mm-hmm. and that, um, but I don't think people have any clue on what all was involved in that and how much that cost and, and yeah. the fact that when we, did the, when we did the stories, put them out on Facebook, and that we had people from all over the world uh, donating and such. And, you know, Denali was about a $28,000 dog, you know, and supporters and donors, and that helped us do something like that. And, and we do that kind of thing almost, I don't want to say a daily basis, but probably a weekly basis because of, you know, we get calls from a lot of the animal services in the Bay Area or around the state, and they have some fairly severe situations, and they reach out to us because we do go that that extra mile. That's who we are, and that's what you know, and that's what people expect from us. And we try not to let anyone down. Yeah. 
<laughs> Definitely want to talk about Denali here in just a little bit. But one of the things that I wanted to ask you, um, you know, you're talking about rescuing animals from other agencies and you're able to rehabilitate them. Is that one of the reasons why you started Suncoast Animal League was to have the freedom to be able to rescue what other people would consider like the unsavable animals? Well, definitely. That, that was part of it. Some of these dogs, because maybe the county organizations couldn't uh, provide the medical care, the extensive medical care, that what the animal is going to need, and they might be put down. They might be euthanized. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was part of it. And because the county shelters uh, sometimes get a bad rap, but uh, um, they really go above and beyond to try to keep from euthanizing. And so that's one of the reasons, like I said, that's one of the reasons they reach out to us. And, you know, it may be a hit by, by car that's going to require a lot of you know, orthopedic surgery or you know, sometimes even things that are worse. Mm-hmm. But um, so we we have that reputation. You know, we're glad to help. It helps them out and certainly uh, is a lifesaver for the animals. You know, I, I know a lot of folks follow you on Facebook and there is a lot of people out there who obviously are big animal lovers like we all are in studio today. Um, and I just wanted to quickly mention that again, because I think it's so important. I think for people who are observers of animal rescue on social media, a lot of people say that's such a nice thing that they're doing. And like you mentioned, sometimes county shelters get a bad rap because people think that they are just like the dead end for animals. And it's so important to mention that they really have come a long way and they're working with organizations like you guys to make sure that we're able to save more animals than they were in the past. Yeah, oh, I mean, we yeah. we consider them partners, you know, right. in this because, like you said, they have come a long way. And honestly, when people lose their animals or animals run away, they do go to the county shelters to see if, you know, they've been picked up or brought there. You know, so, you know, if there is an injured animal and they contact us and they don't want to euthanize animals, they would like to save them as well. And so they reach out to their partner rescues in the area and we work together in the community. I love that. So before we start getting into the stories that I know are going to make me cry, (laughs) (laughs) um, I do also want to talk to you guys about uh, like, where did your passion for animals come from? Rick, we'll start with you. Probably it came from my grandmother, um, because even when we were little and we'd find a baby bird or something, we would take it out to my grandmother, and she would raise it. I was probably 18 at that time, living in Ohio, and I drove out to see her, and she lived, they had a, a, a small farm, and she was, my grandma was probably like 80 years old at that time. She was carrying a five-gallon bucket of water across the field to give it to the neighbor's horse, hmm. you know, and that's just who she was, and, and, that's, and I, I think that's where it where it all came from. What about you, Carrie? What what kind of got you started there? Um, it definitely was my parents. I mean, I remember I was probably three or four. We were living in Chicago at the time, and my dad came home from work, and he had this little animal wrapped in a towel that he had seen on the side of the road, and he picked it up. And it was a, a duck that was covered in oil. And he and my mom brought it down to our utility tub, and they had the blue Dawn, the blue dish soap <laughs> Dawn, um, and they, they washed this duck. They dried it. They they kept it safe, you know, kept it warm. And then the next day, we brought it to um, an animal refuge where it 
could be rehabilitated and released. And I just, I remember that vividly. And from that point on, it was like any animal that was on the side of the road, we would stop like a turtle, you know, like those, that's just who my parents were. And that kind of was instilled into me and, and my brother. And flying down from Illinois to Florida, we would vacation on Sanibel Island. I was 10, I think, and the whole island is a refuge. So everything is alive and it was just so awesome to see all these animals and get to know all the shells and, you know, just see a whole island that protects its wildlife and just loves animals. And so, yeah, I would say definitely when I was three. Yeah, it started when I was three. Very nice. (laughs) Now, let's talk about a typical day for Suncoast Animal League. What's a typical day in rescue for you guys? Actually, I don't think there is any such thing as typical. (laughs) Yeah, a normal, anything like that. I I, I think um, one of the things people don't realize you follow us on Facebook you hear all the stories you see read everything that we do and we do all this out of about a 1600 square foot building and we'll have people that'll come down from up north or something and they want to pay a visit or you know because they've read everything and and they walk in and go this is it you know (laughs) Um, so we have cramped quarters all the time we have three shifts of dog walkers that come in every day, our volunteers that uh, walk whatever dogs we have in there. We've got um, a couple of shifts of cat care volunteers that, that uh, come in every day to socialize and help maintain the cats and such. We're fostering out animals every single day. We have a huge foster base. We do get a lot of calls on, for instance, wildlife. And so we do go out and we do rescue a lot of uh, wildlife you know nowadays we're getting the cold weather so we're getting the calls on the pelicans Mm. that are being sort of stunned by this and the younger pelicans that that uh, don't have the experience to catch fish in cold cold weather yet you know so it's just a non-stop and then then we get a lot of calls from the animal services are such that in the public, but um, so, you know, you never know Then all of a sudden, you know, we're out there, we're getting a mother dog and her eight puppies from them or, you know, something like that. Or they walk into a, a hoarding situation and now they need our assistance for that. And also out of state where we get calls from out of state all the time. So we're, it, it's all, it's always constant. Nothing really stays the same. Uh, everything's different. Every animal's different, and and that's one of the that's one of the things that we like. We like to have a lot of gray areas, mm-hmm. so we can take every animal as an individual and deal with its needs as an individual, and 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 that's probably really what makes us you know who we are and that stuff. Every day is different. So for a person who perhaps wants to uh, foster or adopt. How would they go about doing that with you guys? Well, I mean, they should probably follow us on social media if they're interested in adopting because a lot of our adoptable dogs and cats come in and we post them on social media. When they're ready for their forever home, we post them on there with the email that they can, you know, send a request to or if we're going to have an adoption event at PetSmart. I mean, our foster base is amazing. I mean, and fostering is different for everybody because you can choose to foster a puppy for a few weeks or a dog that needs a place to stay for a few days or you can be a medical foster where you're going to have a long-term, you know, animal that you're going to be taking to, you know, vet appointments and giving them medications and everything. So there's, you know, if you only have a weekend free, we have, we probably have a dog that would you know, need a place to crash for the weekend or even a, a cat. Well, yeah. I mean, that's actually really yeah. good to know because, mm-hmm. you know, again, talking about people who are passively watching you on social media, 
they may think that becoming a foster is a bigger commitment than they realize. So Mm -hmm. that's really great. Do you guys also have room for like, I guess, like kind of an emergency brigade? Because I know you mentioned that you guys recently had a hoarding case. Was it Alabama? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Normally when we have something like that come through, again, we post it on social media. We send out via our foster network. And if you're interested in fostering, then you can email the foster email at that time. Um, And it's amazing what the community steps up to do in situations like that. And and we provide everything for fosters, like the food, if you need dishes, leashes, um, crates, things like that. So, you know, we provide the medications and things like that as well. And, so. and for example, like you just mentioned the, the situation in Alabama. That, it was a Sunday a couple, few weeks ago, yeah. and 40 dogs came in that morning. 38 of them by Three thirty, four o'clock in the afternoon, we're in foster homes. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and that was after we had two vets that showed up to assist us. So they were looked at medically and then uh, bathed. And um, it's like you, you see all these animals coming in and you're like, okay, we've got a 1,600-square-foot building. Where are we going to put them? Right. And then by the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Let's talk a little bit more about some of your more unique rescue cases, uh, especially Denali, who, you know, she's become, I guess, like the poster child for a Suncoast Animal League, no? Oh, yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and, and as I don't know if you know that Carrie adopted Denali, and she can go on about oh, everything Denali does. <laughs> Well, let's. um, For folks who maybe aren't familiar with Denali's background, let's talk a little bit about how she came to to be with you guys. Um, So Denali uh, was a victim of domestic violence, basically. Um, She was kind of collateral damage in a situation that occurred in 2018, in August of 2018. Um, A house was set on fire. A chemical accelerant was poured on her. She was locked in a crate. And um, the house pretty much was burning around her. Um, the Pasco County firefighters got to her. Uh, it was it became a two alarm fire, so they had a few stations there fighting the fire. And when they went into the home, they got to Denali before the fire did. Thankfully, um, they rescued her. She was transferred to the the vet along with six other dogs that were on the property but outside at the time. And from the vet's office, she was transferred to Pasco County Animal Services. Um, some of the other animals in the home had been taken by family members or, you know, vet techs at the vet office, and Denali was transferred to Pasco County Animal Services. Um, and because of our experience with um, burned dogs with Clover and Ruby, um, whom I would have fostered as well, Pasco County Animal Services contacted us and said, you know, there was a situation that happened. Um, she actually was there over Labor Day weekend. It was a long weekend. Um, and I just, I remember Tuesday morning, um, Gina, my contact at Pasco County Animal Services for Suncoast Animal League, called and she said, um, we have a very serious situation. She was in tears. And normally that's not, you know, the, the type of phone call we get. Uh, and she said, um, you know, there's this dog, Denali. She was she was in a fire. She has burns all over her body. They said um, and, she needed. And, and, and just to, yeah, <laughs> to take over while she's tearing up over here. 
uh, and you are too. Go ahead, Rick. Right, I'm you. Good. I'm good. Um, I got it. I got they, it back they, together. You know, basically, people might say, well, if she was there for the weekend, why they just let her go for the weekend? Well, they didn't. No. Because yeah. the way these burns work yes. is they start to what they, the, the vessel called declaring itself. Mm-hmm. So for that, those two or three days, you didn't see anything. Then yeah. all of a sudden, once it started declaring, her skin was peeling off. It was. It was. It was very. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when she first came in, she had a full body of fur. You know, because they have her intake photo. And then by the time you know three days had passed, and they were, she was in medical that whole time. They brought her in to do an exam, and she never left medical because her skin at that point um, started to slough off and. Like we had talked about before, sometimes they don't have the kind of resources or the medications that a normal vet would. They're there to stabilize and transfer out. So the pain medications they were giving her weren't touching it. And um, we were we were asked if we could transfer her into our care. And at that point, you know, I said, let me, let me just let me call you back. I called Rick and Annette and I said, you know, we're going to do this. And yes, yeah, so I actually was the one that drove over to Pasco County Animal Services. Very fast. Very fast, <laughs> <laughs> quickly. I picked her up. And at that point, she had burn cream all over her. She had a cone on. She was just, like, crying in excruciating pain. And what I found out is, I didn't realize this, but she was in uh, what's called wind-up pain, which is where other parts of the body that aren't injured are basically sending messages to her brain that she's burned. So she felt like she was burned all over her body. And I went to help her in the back of my SUV, and she jumped in because she didn't want anybody to to touch her. And she laid in the back of the SUV, and I just remember it's like a 32-minute drive from Pasco County Animal Services to Blue Pearl. No, (laughs) I was like, it was the longest. It was the longest transport. It was the longest drive because for the whole ride, any bump, anything, Denali was crying and screaming in the back of the SUV because she was in so much pain. I just, I couldn't get there fast enough. I just thought, oh my God, I can't get there fast enough. Rick met me there, Annette met me there, and um, they took her in the back, and Dr. Sylvia Lee was the one that was assigned to her. She's just an amazing surgeon that's at Blue Pearl, and um, we kind of waited. You know, at that point, we didn't know what her her prognosis was because with chemical burns, uh, to clarify, the the fire did not reach her, but the accelerant, whatever was poured on her, is what was doing all the damage to her body. And with chemical burns, like Rick was describing, they declare themselves. So even though it, it seems like it might be done, it's still growing and growing and growing and right, that's because it seeps yeah. into their skin yeah and, their system, and it just yeah. yeah and so we went and visited her every day we had some tough conversations with dr lee the biggest issue with her was the pain um, they could not figure out the right concoction to get her pain under control so her body could heal you know we had that tough conversation i remember with dr lee because she said you know i'm i'm she was reaching out to all of her contacts across the united states to see what could be done to help her and, you know, every time we would go and visit her, we would be brought in the back. She would be wrapped in bandages in her blankets. She had her IVs. She was sedated. Um, you know, we would just talk to her and visit. And she finally got a, the right concoction. She calls it the, the Denali the Denali cocktail is what it's <laughs> called. Um, and that, that cocktail has actually saved other animals after her that have come in where they know now the combination of pain meds to put together so the dog is out of pain so that the body can actually heal. So I would go visit her every day. Sometimes Rick would be with me. And, and this one day I went, I think it was probably eight or nine days in because she was in the ICU for about 16, 17 days. And instead of bringing me to the back where they always did to say, you know, they said, we're going to we're going to put you in a room. Oh, 
And I thought, this is it. They're going to tell me that you know, well, she's not, she's not going to make it. Yeah. So I t- I'm texting Rick while I'm sitting there. I'm like, this isn't good. They've always taken me into the back. I'm in an exam room and the door slowly opens. One of the vet tech walks in and right behind her walks Denali. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, what, what, one of the things that during that time, during those, especially the, the first week or so, you know, we would have several communications during the day with Dr. Lee. And one of the things that we talked to her about was do whatever you have to do to save her. Mm-hmm. We'll somehow find the money, but don't give her more than she can handle. And and that was that was the whole that was the whole concept through the whole thing. So there'd be nights that she would call and say, "Not so sure." Yeah. You know, we may have to have a conversation in the morning. And then she calls and she goes, "Well, she had a pretty good night," and that's how we lived for th- those for long, week to ten days yeah. or so. <clears throat> and then she started to to rally, and um, yeah. it truly was a miracle. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say, you know. I'm sure that it was so difficult and Denali was in such great hands, but you do get that moment where I'm sure that you were looking to her for a sign that said, you know, don't give up on me. Yeah. Um, and that That's the excellent point because we even took a little bit of a beating on Facebook on some people saying, oh, you shouldn't let her go through this. And, right. uh, you know, mm-hmm. um, but Denali didn't waver. Mm-hmm, you yeah. know, um, a lot of times with the animals, it's it's in their eyes, mm-hmm. you know, and she never, no. it was never in her eyes. She was already, she was always willing to fight this and yeah. she did. She did, yeah. yeah. I mean, Dr. Lee would send us videos, at her bandage changes, and at first when it was really bad, they would have to sedate her to do the bandage changes, but then afterwards she would just sit there and let them do it and her tail would wag and she would just give kisses and they would give her peanut butter and hmm. she was just this force, you know, just this positive energy she I don't know she just she never gave up so we we didn't give up on her so let's fast forward to today because I know that Denali is not only inspiring to people there's other dogs that Denali has been able to save they come in and and you foster them with Denali and she's Mm -hmm. kind of like a mother hen to some of those hard cases yeah she like that's just her personality and and honestly she's just such a gentle soul and she's just so happy and when I get these injured or you know ill puppies or dogs that come in she just lets them just be ill she'll lay by them and you know kind of play with them and teach them how to how to be a dog again because you know some of some of them do come in and they're you can see it like they've they're sad or they're depressed you know in they're injured and they you know kind of need that I guess positive energy from Denali to you know, get back in the swing of things. And she, and she's there. And, you know, if they cry at night or they're in the bed with us and they cry, you know, she's up and she's right there with them next to them. And, you know, I mean, I have so many videos of her just like teaching it like teeny tiny little baby puppies to play and to, you know, play bow and bounce. And she's just, she's just so gentle. I mean, it's, she's amazing. She really is. She's a special spirit. And she's, she's recognized all the time. Yes. Carrie takes her for a walk and people stop by and there's just an alley and they get their pictures taken with her. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you have any one particular, uh, like fun or funny story about Denali that you'd like to share? I don't know. There are so many of them. I think the probably the the best is when Hugo came into the house. Um, Hugo came in as a five week old puppy that really couldn't use his back legs, and 
because of her scars on her back, she's usually, you know, like doesn't allow the puppies to kind of like crawl on her. You know, she'll roll on her back when they want to play so they just get to her belly. But she let Hugo just climb all over her like a jungle gym and, you know, just slap her on her face and just, you know, I, they bonded so quickly that it was absolutely amazing to me. And Hugo can eat out of her bowl and take food out of her mouth and do whatever he wants to do. (laughs) And she's just like, that's my little buddy. That's my friend. (laughs) And so now they live together in in beautiful harmony? Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) They're quite a pair. Oh, yeah. Uh, So in addition to just being a cutie pie, (laughs) (laughs) um, does Denali have other jobs is she she's a therapy dog now she is yeah um we went through some training together uh she has her cgc she has her community cgc uh and she's a certified uh therapy dog so um through project pup which is in partnership with st pete clearwater international airport on fridays her job is going to the airport and she's a therapy dog at the airport for travelers um for tsa for employees Uh, she just goes around and she is the happiest dog you will ever meet she knows when we're at the airport, she basically is like pulling me through the door, wagging her whole body because she wants to make new friends and see everybody. And um, I'm pretty sure she also is sniffing out snacks because when she walks <laughs> by people, she does sniff their bags. And I can see people getting nervous like, oh, my gosh, is this a, is this this a drug? <laughs> what is going on? And I'm like, don't worry. She's just looking for a snack. It's OK. She's, do you have popcorn in there? What do you know? But um, and she also visits schools. And that's been really a unique experience because the kids ask me a lot to take her vest off because she does have a therapy dog vest and a uh, majority of her burns she does have very bad scarring. She had basically what would be considered third degree burns over 35% of her body. And so her scars have changed color. They've gotten a little more pigmentation, but she still is missing a lot of fur. And where the fur did grow back, it's white fur. So she has a very unique pattern from the top of her head down her shoulders and her back. And so kids will ask if I can take her vest off so they can see and they actually want to touch her scars and she she's fine you know like her scars don't hurt her and she actually enjoys it when you know they they touch her scars and to see them kind of make that connection and you know see Denali and and actually touch where she was burned then they understand more about everything that she's been through and to see her so happy and just have joy in life you know is awesome Um, she also is going to be visiting survivors of domestic abuse as well through her therapy work, which I think that will be an amazing um, experience for her and and the people that get to meet her because she is just, she's so happy with whatever she went through. She has not let that, I guess, dampen her spirit. And, you know, when she was in the hospital, obviously we had never met Denali before. We didn't know what kind of dog she was, you know. But to see the videos of her wagging her tail while they're doing the bandage changes, we were like, she's, this is amazing. And all the nurses and veterinarians said she's an amazing dog. But you just, you never know with an animal that has gone through such trauma what they're going to think about the world when they are healed. And she holds no ill will to the world. Like, everyone is her friend. And... Every animal is her friend. Every person is her friend. You know, she that's her joy, like the biggest joy she gets in making new friends. Like she loves people. She absolutely loves people. Wow. Yeah. What great advice yeah. we can take as <laughs> humans yeah. from Denali. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you, so her her previous owner, the, yes. the one who committed this act against her, mm-hmm. what is the latest 
update with her. So she has been in jail since the incident happened, um, and she is, I believe, facing trial um, coming up here in at the end of January, as far as we're we're informed. Okay. So, so she is still she's paying for what she did. Yes, yes, and, and we'll be there at trial date. Yeah. How about some other memorable Fosters? I know that there is one very special one in particular, mm-hmm. Clover. Clover is an exceptional dog. She is amazing. She was caught in a fire with her mom and her littermates up in Alabama. Um, it was a space heater situation gone wrong. And when the woman came home for lunch, she saw smoke coming out of where the, the dogs were. And she ran in there and she grabbed the mother dog and pulled her out, went in and found the rest of the puppies. The mom was actually laying on part of the litter. Mm. This is where I'm going to get joked over. <laughs> <laughs> so they were in... Um, in a pen because they were like little, little guys. They were like three or four weeks old, I think, at the time when this happened. So the mom was on half of the litter and there were three other puppies that were found outside of that pen in a box. And the only one that was burned out of those three was Clover. And I believe she was meant to be a first responder because she pushed through that gate and it melted on her to get out. And the other two puppies were not injured. So she... She, like, led the way, I think. And um, she had an amazing foster up there after she was burned. I mean, her little ear fell off. I mean, she had burns just all over the top of her head, her nose, um, her chest. Um, So once she was stable enough to be transferred down to us, um, that whole litter and the mom came down. The mom had uh, smoke inhalation smoke smoke, yeah um but the other puppies were fine she laid on top of them to protect them and uh they all came down they all went to homes and clover came to me and um she had a a long recovery with the injuries and being on antibiotics and um at that time madeir beach fire department was looking for a station dog and madeir beach fire department there it's awesome it's like a smaller fire department and um, they had interviewed other dogs before they met Clover. So they, you know, they weren't just picking Clover because she was, you know, injured in a fire. They really wanted the best fit for their station. And uh, so they emailed in and I talked to, to Trish, who is in charge of the, the station admin there. And I brought Clover to be interviewed by the firefighters to meet everybody, um, all the shifts. And I was so worried going in there because Clover was you know, she'd been with me all the time and I take her everywhere. And, you know, sometimes your fosters will bond with you. And then when you go to meet and greets, they're like, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm, you know, I'm here. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. So I thought, oh my gosh, I hope she, no, no. She worked that room. Like I put her down in the minute. She went to each firefighter. They were on the ground and it was like, she was meant to be there. It was like her home. And she met all the shifts. She met the chief, you know, they all voted on adopting Clover. Oh, nice. And they, she was actually sworn in in a in a town hall meeting she was given her badge and her vest and uh, she went through her cgc training and um, they have taught her how to stop drop and roll and get low and go so when they go to schools when the firefighters go in you know they bring clover and really the kids remember all of those things because they saw clover do them you know like the firefighters are cool and everything but they have this dog clover that, <laughs> that can do all this stuff and she is just absolutely amazing and exceptional and all the firefighters when they have have babies the babies clover is like that's my baby too and Mm -hmm. you know they can bring their dogs to the station and people stop by to visit 
all year to see clover and you know and and carrie's exactly carrie's exactly right because i believe clover was born to do this because uh there'll be firefighters that are vacationing down here and they stop in because they've heard about clover Mm -hmm. and they go back and they want to get a station dog from wherever they're from Mm -hmm. nobody's going to be clover because she knows exactly what to do the circumstances she Mm -hmm. she just knows how to react to it she's absolutely amazing and she is a pity mix Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course Denali, and so they're kind of an ambassador for the breed, for you know, because yeah, they they've got pitties have yeah. that reputation. They do, yeah. and uh, they, so they're a big help to the breed too. So and on, on top of her being such an like an outreach education ambassador, she also helps the firefighters when they come back from a really tough call. She's there and she's happy to see them, and she's their comfort as well. And you know, after Clover, there was Ruby. Ruby came to us from um, from Georgia, and she was actually a burn dog as well. And, uh, you know, it kind of got out our reputation and what, you know, where Clover went. And so that rescue contacted one of our partner rescues who contacted us to see if we could, we could take Ruby. Um, and so I ended up, I was lucky enough to be her foster. Her story, there was a, an accidental house fire, and she was trapped inside, and her owner actually went back in looking for her. And unfortunately, her owner passed away. Um, from smoke inhalation looking for her she ran out of the fire Um, so her burns were all over her chest and and her front legs and they the other people that lived in the home didn't know where she was and they went back to to go through the the rubble like looking for their items and ruby comes walking out of the woods and just burnt you know so they got her to you know the vet and the fire department up there um you know contacted the rescue and you know that they kind of got the transfer going to us and station 65 in Palm Harbor they also were looking for a station dog at that time and you know Ruby I mean Ruby's awesome she's 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 a wild woman um so she's a she was a different personality than Clover Clover was very like she was like a refined lady like she's you know and Ruby was like you know she's 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 a fun, a fun puppy, and I just remember taking her to to Station sixty five because it's a very big station, and she got to meet all the admin, all the chiefs, and all the firefighters. And so I would bring her there, and I would leave her for like the day, and you know, hang out with all the different shifts. And I would come back, and she'd be happy to see me. And we'd leave, and so one day I went back to get her, and I'm like, "All right, Ruby, let's go." And she just walked back towards the firefighters and laid down in the kitchen, and you could hear a pin drop because the firefighters did not know what to do because they were just like. Oh my God. Like, uh-huh. and that's how I knew, like, she, this was her home. Yeah. Like, she had chosen them as much as they had chosen her. And, you know, she, she's an amazing ambassador for them, too. And with it being such a big station, you know, she is their comfort as well when they come back from, you know, from tough calls. And yeah. um, Liz over there is their outreach educator as well as their information officer. And so when she goes out to visit schools, Ruby goes along with her. They have a, a library. They have a whole book, I think a line of books that the kids are reading, like Ruby's Hot Choices or Ruby's yeah, something like that at their <laughs> library that, you know, she'll go to the library and, you know, Liz will read to kids and Ruby will be there. So, I mean, she was amazing. And then after that was, was Denali. And, you know, I, I asked Rick, I said, if Denali makes it, I, I would really love to foster her. And there were fire stations that, that reached out that wanted to, to meet Denali and maybe have her as their station dog. And sometimes some noises bother her a little bit, which I'm sure is from, you know, some, some of the trauma that she's gone through. So she probably wasn't meant to be a fire station dog, but I just thought, you know, I remember talking to Rick about it. I was like, am I enough? Am I enough for her? Because I just feel like 
she's so amazing that mm-hmm. she, you know, look at Clover and Ruby and the amazing things they're doing. And she's just such a an awesome spirit. Like, am I enough for her? You know, maybe she's meant for, for greater things. I don't know. But the path that we took for therapy work, I think that was, I think that was her path. I think that's where, you know. Yeah, she is, and, and the connection to the fire departments actually go back a little farther because there was a situation, a, a man committed suicide by running carbon monoxide into his trailer from his car, and he had a dog. When the fire, Clearwater Fire Department got there, the man was deceased. The dog was still alive, but they had to revive it. And we actually, the firefighter got in the back of our vehicle with a portable oxygen. We went to the emergency clinic and, uh, and he was saying, if we only had a mask that could fit a dog, the recovery would be much quicker and such. And that, yeah. that from that, we provided all of the fire departments in Pinellas County, Hillsborough, Hernando, and Highlands, I think, mm-hmm. um, yeah, all their spread. stations with animal yeah. oxygen mask. Yeah. You know, and, and any fire department that needs one, any fire trucks that need them, or even, no matter where you are across the country, you can contact Suncoast Animal League and we'll send you a pack. And it has three different size oxygen masks for different size dogs and cats and, and cats, yeah. you know, that they can use. And they're reusable. So I know like the human masks they have to dispose of, but the animal ones are reusable. So they should, they should last a while. So You know, it's funny. If a person asks the question, why do you work so hard? to save a dog that is this injured, here are several amazing yeah. stories of the amount of reach that saving these dogs has done for, for yeah. the community for, and, you know, beyond. You know, you've got therapy dogs, outreach dogs, dogs that are teaching kids about, you know, if you have scars and you're a little bit different, you yeah, know, it's okay. okay. It's beautiful. All the way to providing oxygen masks for, for animals yeah. to firefighters. You know, this... This is one of the big reasons why I'm sure you guys do what you do, because it's not just about saving the life of an animal. It's everything that goes yeah, what beyond comes that. Be- yeah, and, you, and honestly, we, I don't think, at least I didn't realize, you know, what the breadth of, you know, these dogs, like their reach for, you know, the, just the notoriety in the community. I mean, Hugo... Hugo is a little, he's our little meatball. We call him our meatball. He's a, he's a unicorn. But he and his siblings were found abandoned in a Pasco County bathroom in a state park. And these ladies were on a walk early in the morning. The sun was coming up. They go to the, they open the door to the restroom and these three little puppies, five weeks old, just left there. Two of them were okay. And Hugo, um, he's a little different. He's barrel chested. <laughs> and he had little skinny back legs because he couldn't really walk. He was dragging them um, behind. So the ladies called the sheriffs, sheriffs called animal services, and then animal services called us as a partner rescue in the community to to take them on. And, you know, Hugo, again, became a very expensive, a very expensive oh, yeah. dog, because at first blush, it looked like he might have had swimmers or something, you know, that through therapy and, you know, strength training, um, he would get over, but he actually had spinal inflammation. And when I was fostering him, he started to have seizure activity and he went to the neurologist and he had he, a, he rewrote all the medical he books. did yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the, the neurologist at blue pearl which is like dr kimura one of the best you know he's just like we've never had a case like this and i'm not sure you know like do you really want to hear that from the, right. from the like what do we do yeah we but, we actually have gotten 
to where I can't tell you how many times yeah. you've had a veterinarian huh, say, never seen that I've before. never seen this before. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, right? Okay. That makes you feel awesome. Yeah. So, and with Hugo, he went through a spinal tap and MRI, um, x-rays, everything you can imagine. And he was still having this seizure activity because he had spinal inflammation. So they gave uh, prednisone to kind of quell the inflammation to see if that would stop. And unfortunately, it kind of like ramped it up. Like I was given the prednisone through the weekend to see if it would work. And they said either it's going to get better, everything's going to be good, or it's going to stay the same. It actually got worse. And I didn't know what to do because they didn't, that wasn't an option that I was given if it was going to get worse. And I just remember he was just having these, these seizures and they just started coming one right after the other. And I just was at one point laying on the floor with him, just like holding him and kind of came to the conclusion that, you know, this may be one that we were not going to be able to save. And, um, on Monday through the weekend, I, I emailed them and I said, okay, this is what's going on. And they were like, he might be allergic to prednisone. Let's try prednisolone, which is basically a steroid. It's just broken down more than a prednisone is. And as soon as I started on the prednisolone, no seizure, like it was done. It was like night and day, like a light switch went went off. And from that point on, he was on prednisolone for almost a year, um, weaning him off of that. We found out he had a form of dwarfism. He has an elongated soft palate. He has nystagmus. He has um, elbow dysplasia, hip dysplasia, arthritis, early onset arthritis. He's going to be two. They <laughs> he has never had a bad no. day in his life. He is the happiest. We call him the meatball. He's our unicorn because he just has every single thing that you could imagine wrong with him. He's a unique little guy, but because he is so happy, people are just drawn to him. Children are drawn to him. And so we went through the CGC training as well, and, and we went through the therapy dog you know, screening, even though he's differently able. He's mobility challenged and, you know, he can't really walk very far. He has his own little cart that he that he's in. He just everybody that's around him just falls in love with him. So he goes to the airport, too. He goes and visits schools and kids and, you know, to show different is beautiful. Very expensive dog, but he's amazing. And his reach, too. I mean, the other night we were at a fundraiser, and I was in a dark parking lot <laughs> loading him into my car. And this lady's like, is that Hugo from across the parking lot? I was like, yes. <laughs> and, you know, she came over and said, oh, my gosh, I follow Cinco Animal League. I know Hugo in Denali. And, you know, is handing me a donation in the middle of a parking lot at night because Aww. she recognized him from, you know, the, the page. And, yeah, it's amazing how many people in the community – know who these dogs are yeah and you know they just rally around so oh yeah it's pretty yeah. cool it's priceless yeah. mm-hmm. let's talk about some of the goals for suncoast animal league uh, what are some of your your short-term goals right now especially for this year well um just like in a lot of places when covid hit um that changed the way we had to do things. We're always looking to what can we do next? What what we can what can we do to help the community more? What you know? So those are some of the things we're always doing different ideas and you know, one of the things when we started, we always sort of wanted to have a spay neuter clinic at low cost. We bring that up every so often. We're not not at that point yet and everything, but it, it's just all about how can we help the community more? What can we do to, you know, food banks, microchip clinics, assisting with people that are abused and have to go into a, a safe home and now they have to have something to do with their pets mm-hmm. and, and trying to get involved in, in those different things that can benefit the community. And the foster program, it's not just getting the dogs out of the shelter or the cats out of the shelter. It's putting them in a home environment, which some of them have never had, and 
learning about them. So when they do come back in to find their forever home, the fosters now can tell us things about them that we didn't know before. So it's enrichment for the animals, and we're constantly trying to do that. Um, The rescues that we do, we're we're constantly trying to, how can we make it easier, better, you know, safer for everybody? It's not sitting in place. It's, you know, it's always trying to take a step forward, make ourselves better. And conversely, how can the community help you? What are some of the best ways that we can help support Suncoast Animal League? I mean, I would say probably volunteering, fostering. Um, we have rescues that we need volunteers for, and that's an amazing way to kind of get a behind-the-scenes look at, at what we do and, and how these animals come in via rescue. You can be a pen sitter uh, where you kind of hang out with the dog or the puppy that came, comes in on the transport. You could be a bather where that's kind of a sloppy job, so just <laughs> be prepared to get wet on that one. But um, you bathe all the dogs and they come in, and that might be, you know, the first bath that they've ever had or, you know, the, the first – time that they've been able to kind of like relax because they they come from certain areas and you know it's a long trip down and you kind of get a firsthand look at watching them kind of decompress and all of a sudden they become a dog and they're wagging their tail and they're you know they're eating their meal and then you see them meet the people that are potentially going to be their forever home or their foster and and it's just an amazing full circle experience so I feel like volunteering fostering, um, coming out to our events when we, we post the events on, online, coming out and seeing you know what we do and, and talking to us. Because everybody that comes to the event, you know, everyone knows Rick Shabbity, and he's accessible as someone that you can ask questions to, a co-founder of a shelter that you can you know, talk to directly, which sometimes is rare. And you can talk to other fosters, and a lot of people show up with their dogs that they've adopted and, you know, everybody's got their Suncoast Animal League story and it's, it's really cool. You know, like in a lot of things, it comes down to money also. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we try to, during COVID, all of our fundraisers were shut down. So we're mm-hmm. just starting to get back into some of that. You know, we talked about how extensive we try to, to go medically with all the animals and such and do it only. Um, our medical bills are average about 20 grand a month. You know, the monetary donations and stuff is a huge help because, like I said, I mean, you just never know uh, what's going to happen. And, and you try to, again, we try to do the best we can possibly do for them. You know, you talk about, like, the, the surprising things that come your way, you know, from, from the outside looking in. There's a lot of people that they say the phrase, I don't know how you can do it. You know, I look at cases like Denali, cases like those, a lot of the hoarding cases that you guys get. It must be incredibly heartbreaking. You do have, you know, obviously the successes that come from it. But what is it that keeps the both of you going? That what keeps that what keeps that passion going? And, and what what makes you not throw your hands up in the air and say, I can't do this anymore. It's too much. You know, I've been doing this for a long time, and, and I don't think I've ever thrown my hands up and said, I, I can't do this anymore. But you've had times where you're maybe getting a little bit burnt out. And we have an ego. We are, Suncoast Animal League has an ego. We think that we can save them all. We think that we can make life better for everybody. And it doesn't happen all the time. It happens a lot, yeah. but it doesn't happen all the time. And yeah, you, you know, you love animals, but we also really enjoy the people that we work with. I'm a medical foster for Suncoast Animal League, so what that means is that I I have long-term fosters, and I get mainly dogs and puppies in that are badly injured or very ill, and um, 
for me, it's it's taking on those cases and knowing that you know there is a happy ending. I know there's a happy ending coming. I know I know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and just to know that we're doing the best that we can. And and you know, like Rick said, of course we want to say that we want to save them all, and sometimes we can't. And you know, I I personally have lost a few that have broken my heart. You know, but there's always another one that needs your help. And if I throw up my hands, then who else, you know, like, if if not you, then who, mm-hmm. you know? I think, yeah, fatigue is a real is a real thing, but I don't think I, I've never gotten to the point where I've thrown up my hands and said I can't do this anymore because I know that of all the ones that we have saved, that's what keeps us going. And we do our best. We, we give every animal the, op- the best opportunity to thrive. And we have fun doing it. And, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of different personalities. And and a lot of times you get volunteers will come in and say, why do you want to volunteer here? Well, I love animals more than people. So I don't want to, I don't want to be around people. (laughs) We're like, well, we're all people, you know, Um, and those, those people don't last very long. But, um, and I mean, we hang out together, uh, you know, after a fundraising event, we'll go someplace Mm -hmm. together and have something to eat and drink. And, uh, you know, and so it's, it's just a kind of like a family atmosphere. Yeah. And we do that though, also when there's things that are going on that are really tough and and heartbreaking. We also get together at that point so we can all kind of share, talk about it, because sometimes, yeah, there are bad days. Yeah, it's not just the animal experience. It's the human experience as well. Yeah. So I... I can definitely say um, on behalf of dogs, cats, animals everywhere, you guys are a tremendous gift to them. You're a tremendous gift to our community as well. So thank you so much for what you do. Thank you. Um, is there anything else that you guys wanted to add or maybe something that we didn't cover today that you would like to talk about? Coming up, we have uh, a puppy bowl that will be coming up uh, Super Bowl Sunday uh, at the Barfly in uh, uh, downtown Palm Harbor. Um, you have a Denali event. Yes. Uh, so I actually ended up adopting Denali on Valentine's Day. We had a very large party for her. <laughs> there were a lot of people that showed up for her adoption day. Um, and so with COVID, we weren't able to have any kind of you know anniversary celebration. So this year on Saturday, February 12th, we're doing an ice cream social in downtown Dunedin at Salty Paws. They're a, a dog ice cream shop basically and um, there's going to be a professional photographer with a little valentine's photo booth and it's all benefiting suncoast animal league there are gonna be raffles and everybody can come and meet denali and say hello and awesome well rick carrie i can't thank you enough for being here today thank you for helping me keep the tears to a minimum <laughs> rick. appreciate you swooping in there rick every time that carrie and i got a little, little misty eyed <laughs> thank you so much for being here thank, thank you, you very much thank for having us yes always a pleasure Since we recorded this episode, the woman responsible for attacking Denali accepted a plea deal so she will not face trial. She pled guilty to felony arson and felony animal cruelty with torture. For more information about supporting Suncoast Animal League, please visit suncoastanimalleague.org. Thank you for listening to Be More Unstoppable. This podcast is produced by WEDU PBS in West Central Florida. For more information, please visit wedu.org slash unstoppable. And to learn more about all of our podcasts, visit wedu.org slash podcasts.